I'm Alec Baldwin. Listen to my podcast, Here's the Thing, on iHeartRadio. It's my chance to talk with artists, policymakers, and performers. I always like to say I like being an actress, but I love being Kristen. So I've prioritized that a little bit more than my, like, desire to spread my wings or prove to people that I can be some dramatic actress. If you like listening as much as I like talking with interesting people, go to herestething.org and subscribe now on the iHeart app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Colin Drew, and we are here to break down our first major of the year, the PGA Championship. I, I got to say, I'm uh, just like getting into the majors. It bums me out a little bit, realizing that we're not playing the British Open this year, which is my favorite golf tournament every single year. But, you know, the fact of saving myself, you know, uh, 300 MME lineups without Rory locked at an event where he's like a coin flip to make the cut, uh, maybe maybe I will have a profitable major championship season this year. Yeah, I mean, I think starting with the PGA Championship definitely feels weird. I'm on the same page as you. I think the Open Championship and the Masters, obviously the two favorite majors for me. And I would say a combination of the PGA Championship being a little bit less exciting. And then just generally, we've been getting some really strong fields at pretty good courses. Um, so I think, you know, the combination of those two things has this feeling a little bit less like a major, but um, also just on the DFS side of things, I think before MLB and NBA came back, we had such yeah. huge prize pools for golf. So it's not even like you have juiced prize pools. It's basically just big stuff every week. Yeah, we, so. we had a, we had a Millie maker for, for the workday charity open, you know, exactly. <laughs> so like so. DFS, it feels the same. The field feels strong, but not like that much stronger than the Memorial, for example. But um, either way, it should be fun. I think, you know, we have a new course that we've never seen before. haven't seen for um, almost a decade at this point. Um, the just the WGC in 2015 and yeah I think it should be a pretty good week in general yeah the reports we're hearing about this course by the way though because we're recording this on Tuesday normally we've been recording this podcast on Monday so we've got some more boots on the ground takes everything that we are seeing from like guys on the course or from media members there are like this course is gonna be hard because uh, I mean, naturally, it's a long course anyways. The reports are that it can play as long as 7,500 or as short as 7,200, depending on what they do with pin positions and tee boxes. But the rough is super long, you know, obviously to set up for a major championship. But, you know, it's just been wet and rainy everywhere in the United States for like two weeks now. And, uh, you know, that that is definitely going to favor our our beefy boy up there at the top. Yeah, and it will it'll probably also, you know, you got the the Kepka, the bicep guys up top. Um, last week, I last week was pretty frustrating for me for DFS. Going into Sunday, was in second place in the two hundred dollars single entry for like forty k. But I had Ben on and Brendan Todd, and when you look at the leaderboard and you've got it's like on so and Todd, tilting. and you're like, uh oh, like Kepka's chasing, Fowler's chasing, like all these much better golfers are chasing. You kind of know what's coming, but it doesn't make it any less painful. Yeah. Like, you know, like the first time bet like Benny misses the green on like a par four, you're like, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, probably like uh, a double is coming because you're, just, oh. you're waiting for the bad chip and then the missed 12 footer. Like you're, you're already ready for it. And I, I don't know if you were watching, but he, you know, hit his first approach shot on one to like five feet and literally shanked his birdie putt and like was probably six inches right of the hole. And then 
on the second hole, he more or less duffed the chip and made bogey. And I was like, okay, so this isn't just going to be like uh, he falls back to fifth. This is going to be the full eject that we're about to witness. And yeah, that's kind of what came through. Brendan Todd was another, you know, second time he's been leading going into Sunday, second time that he has put up a really below average performance. Um, and then obviously JT with the the win. And I thought that was great. A guy that was one of the best values in our projections. He was kind of on that lineup that I had. He was able to hold off Kepka. Um, but, you know, we've been seeing some pretty good golf tournaments. JT had been knocking at the door, knocked on the door at the Memorial, only to lose in the playoffs. So I thought it was good to see him come through. Yeah, uh, and uh, the uh, the data golf rankings of players in the world feel definitely vindicated seeing JT win uh, a, a super strong field event, and they are similarly high on him this week. Uh, do you have any insight particularly into Harding Park, where they are playing this week? Uh, so, I mean, you talked about it a little bit, some of the, you know, I guess like narratives, and uh, I do think you can get some of that qualitative data from the PGA Tour media website if you're interested in reading like transcripts of the interviews, they've got those up there. But yeah, it's a part of 70 course, should play 7,200 yards if as sort of the standard setup, but if they feel like they need to make it more difficult for certain rounds. Uh, they can get it back to 7,400. The seventh and 16th holes are potentially drivable par fours, just depending on the uh, course conditions, how much run you get in the fairway and um, where the tees and stuff are set up there. The par five seem like they're long enough. They'll probably only be reachable by the, the beefiest of players on tour. The beefy and, boys. Yeah. This course did host two WGCs, 2005, 2015, as well as the president's cup in 2009. Um, but at least one of the WGCs was match play. So you're not really getting any of the, the strokes gain data you might be looking for from either that or the president's cup. Yeah. I, I am basically going to play this kind of similar to how I would play uh, like the masters where I just, I'm just really expecting dudes who can, who can make birdies on long, poor, long par fours and make Eagles on long par fives. So like even, even in terms of cheaper guys, like I, I'm going to be playing less of the grinders and more of like the Corey Connors of the world, I think just because I, 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 do, I expect scoring to be more at a premium than it's been at some of these very easy PGA tour events early in uh, the restart. Yeah, I think I think that's probably fair. Um, I don't know if it'll get to like Beth Page levels from last year, um, but a winning score, you know, minus twelve seems like where I would kind of set an over under at what I would sort of expect. Um, and yeah, that means that you know to be inside the top twenty, it might just be like a stroke above par. So um, definitely, whenever that happens, you see strokes gain t green tend to separate players a little bit more than strokes gain putting. Um, and yeah, all the top guys, I mean, pricing is pretty tough this week, I'd say. So if you do want to pay up for some of these top guys, uh, you're going to have to get at least a little bit creative with the salary. I'm going to, I'm, I'm all about, I'm all about getting creative though. I do feel like on DraftKings, we've been given a couple salary gifts. One being, uh, can't lay at 9,400 that, that one feels that one in particular feels like uh there's just no way I'm going to get, I'm going to like, I'm not going to be able to get away from playing like 40% of that guy, I think. Yeah. And I guess the, the last thing from course fit, you know, data golf has their course fit tool. Um, I don't, I think it might be a free tool. I don't remember um, if it's paywall or not, but their course fit tool also kind of identify this as a course that has historically just in the small sample that we've seen over indexed towards driving distance, being a greater predictor of, performance than the average course on tour and it under indexed a little bit in driving accuracy now 
those weren't necessarily major championship positions. Um, you know, the, the top end, like most of these guys are going to be perfectly adequate regardless of the course. Uh, I guess where it becomes pretty interesting is the bottom end players. And yeah, you got the guys who are, you know, long and accurate, but you also have players like Cam Champ. Like, do you take a gamble on a guy that's more of a bomber like that in your mix? Or are you looking for, you know, like, I don't know, Kevin Nod type players? And I, I, I think that's where the course fit stuff is going to end up being a, a pretty big thing to try to tease out this week. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. DK by price range. Justin Thomas, the most expensive golfer in the field at 11.3. Uh, Brooks Kepka is somehow 11.1 despite, you know, not, I guess, I guess he showed well uh, recently. So, so good for him, but Rory 10.7, Rom 10.5, Bryson 10.3. They, uh, they did my boy X kind of dirty. Like it's just going to be hard for me to play that much for him at, at 10,000. I, I, I think what's going to end up happening is I'm just going to be underweight Rom and JT, not even, not even really purposefully. It's just, it's just going to be one of those things that ends up happening because Bryson and Xander are such strong plays. Yeah. Um, the, the Kepka thing, obviously there's all the, the historic narratives around Kepka kind of gearing up and playing better at the majors that is going into this. In some of the exchange betting markets on like outrights top tens, he is actually the, the tournament favorite. And then Pinnacle doesn't have all their matchups out yet. I'm sure they will soon, but um, you see like Kepka versus the field, some things like that they have up. And they definitely have JT the favorite there, but Kepka is kind of right aligned next to, to Rory. So there is at least, you know, it's, it's not just like the bookmakers, there's at least a decent amount of like two way support on Kepka. Um, so I think that's why you see the price where it is definitely really uncomfortable on DraftKings. Um, probably a, a pass for me there just because you can get JT or you can go down to, to Rory. I would definitely prefer, or Rom, I would prefer to go that route. Uh, it is going to be more of a decision on FanDuel just because the nature of builds over there let you fit in two guys. Uh, for me, I've got Kepka fifth overall in my rankings, uh, kind of slotted in right above Xander and um, kind of right next to Bryson. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. It's just, I, I think in terms of exposure of the guys who are above 10,000, I'll go Bryson, Xander, Rory, Rom, JT, and, and JT last of that group just because of price. Like, there, there is a substantial dip. Like, he's $1,000 more expensive than Bryson, and I might, I might bet Bryson versus JT in a head-to-head, provided um, that the prices out there and the head-to-head markets this week are solid so yeah just and it's just such a good course bit if all of the things that we are hearing about this course are true that like guys are going to have to be hitting shots into the green from 180 out of like thick rough like that 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 suits no one better than bryson uh i mean bryson hasn't been able to hit approach shots out of like from 100 yards in the middle of the fairway so We'll 100 see. yards in the middle of the fairway is a bad spot for Bryson. I'm not even, I'm like literally not being sarcastic. 100 yards out from like a comfortable location is like, it gives Bryson too much to think about, you know? <laughs> he's he's got to figure out the, uh, how to get that bulky frame moving a little bit more fluid. But yeah, I mean, Bryson, he, he's been crazy. So one of the things I just posted in Subslack, but finished 30th last week but he's inside the top 15 in DK scoring just because he's been making so many birdies in Eagles and he's been making a ton of big numbers as well and um at at this price you know is that going to be is that going to be enough or does he really have to contend and win the event 
So I don't know whether or not Bryson can avoid the big number. It's definitely a really important thing to figure out. He's been gaining all of the strokes off the tier with his putter. His putter has been like peak Spiethian levels. It's been absolutely absurd. And so even though he's losing strokes in approach, he seems like, you know, his, his best wedge shot from like 100 yards is getting to 20 feet. He's making 20 footers at a pretty high rate. And whether or not those are for birdie or par this week is definitely, you know, something where Bryson is rolling really well with the putter. That can obviously regress. But, I mean, I think he has at this point over a long track record proven himself to be above average there. Really just a question of if, if his approach game can click at all. As a wise man once said, he's just a fancy Wyndham Clark. Exactly. <laughs> so re- I mean, really, really, he's like a fancy Corey Connors, fancy Benny, and he gains all his strokes. But, well, he's like a combination of those guys off the tee, and then he, and then he makes 20-footers. But, like, from, from 100 yards to 40 yards, he is like a recreational golfer, basically, is what it's looked like over the last yeah. couple weeks. Yeah. It's been pretty bad. I mean, he's basically since the like restart, I mean, T to green, he basically peaked at the Charles Schwab challenge and he's been regressing every single week. No idea if there's anything to that. Like I know some of the pros were commenting on whether or not he could kind of keep it up with the swing speed. And I have no idea if there's anything to that, but I thought it was interesting to see the T to green game regress like that. Uh, But I guess to wrap up this range, I would say, I think that the majority of the public is going to flood to Xander at $10,000. I've got him at 24% um, roster percent in the first projections. Got JT just above 20%. Right now I've got Brooks just above 20, but I think he'll settle in closer to 15. Um, I think that's just like a a talking point thing this week. So those are kind of the guys I see being the most rostered. And then I think Bryson and Rory might be closer to like 10 to 13%. Oh, Time to bring back the min one Rory Bryson rule. These guys at these guys at ten percent in a major championship that rewards distance off the tee. Uh, though I mean, obviously Rory does not have Bryson's prowess on the putting greens. In fact, he he switched putters for one day last week because he's tilting himself off with his bad putting so much. But yeah, I, I gotta I gotta think that I will end up having both of those guys in my lineups at over like forty percent probably, which I guess doesn't leave that much room for Xander. Yeah, I'd, you know, with the harder scoring, I think you can get two top guys if you want, but you're right. It definitely doesn't leave a ton of room, and you'd have to you'd have to drop pretty low and feel pretty good about some of the value plays. Um, yeah. All right, so getting into this next range, I mean, you just you can't play all the dudes, right, in, in mm-hmm. MME. And, I mean, I, I know Webb is great. I know he gains all the strokes putting, but Webb more expensive than Patrick Cantlay uh i i just don't i don't see myself ending up with with any web and i i fully understand that he is going to be popular especially especially in single entry and three max and uh you know he's one of those guys who can t8 and and make a good amount of birdies and you know finish higher than that in dk scoring and end up punishing me but I, we talked about this before with Webb. We're like, yeah, he's one of the best players in the world right now, but would it surprise us if three years from now he was 53rd in the official world golf rankings, whereas he's more expensive than Cantlay, who I expect to be world number one at some point over the next year. Like I, I would just rather, you know, try and get uh, double leverage on a 15 or 18% rostered Cantlay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, we're not, we're not playing this tournament in three years. We're playing it this week. And I think since the restart, Webb's been better TD green than Cantlay. He's been better with the putter long-term. He's definitely a better putter than Cantlay as well. Um, I guess he would, 
kind of be like a, a negative course fit guy. So, you know, the, it does feel like, I guess, a coin toss from that regard. But uh, I'm sure that I'll have exposure to Webb this week. I think he'll be lower owned than Cantlay just because of the, the price and because of some of the stuff. It'll probably be close. I think both guys like 13 to 16%. I'm not expecting either one to be crazy. And I actually think Tiger is going to be one of the more contrarian plays in this range at 9,200. We've obviously only seen him once. It was a lackluster showing at the Memorial. And so I do think if you're ever looking to get Tiger at single digit ownership in a major championship, that this might be a week where that kind of happens. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I, I just won't. I, I, I just like can't lay so much more. I have concerns about Tiger's back. Obviously, you know, when, when we've seen his back flare up, it's been at, at stuff like this. And he's probably fine. He's a fine play, especially he's like uh, probably a good leverage play, but I just, I don't have, I don't have a ton of interest. Um, I actually think, I actually think Dustin is the more difficult guy because even if you shave off, even if you like account for his miserable recent form, he still projects as one of the better players uh, around this region. Yeah, I, he's obviously a really hard one to figure out just because, well, I mean, last week was was solid, right, at the WGC. Um, and that was kind of what he was looking like before the explosions at the Memorial and at the 3M. He withdrew from the 3M with the back injury, but the fact that he teed it up last week makes me think it was sort of a, a fake WD instead of a real one. So um, he's a hard one to figure out. I, I think sort of a cop-out, but I guess I, I would kind of let the ownership dictate my stances there. Right now, I've got him at like 20%, which means other people are reading into the same thing as us. And if, if that's the case, then maybe I look to allocate um, some things elsewhere. I mean, the other guy that's really hard to figure out is Daniel Berger. And I don't think I've rostered I'm, him. I'm just going to get punished, I think, by, yeah. by Berger. Yeah. <laughs> like nine, five, four, one, three, miscut cut two is the, the Daniel Berger game logs with, you know, spanning the pre-restart and post-restart there. It, I feel like I'm going to get punished too. I probably won't roster him, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't you know. know you know the slappies. The slappies love Daniel Berger. He's been it's just he's one been of those things all around. Like he's been kind of not exceptional in any one metric, but decent in all of them. And he's really been able to string it all together. So um, I, I definitely prefer Morikawa. I prefer Victor Hovland, who's been one of the best TD Green players in the world since the restart. And I think I would prefer to get exposure to those two guys. Um, but I, man. The, the burger punishment it's gonna hurt but uh you know we just get to jam instead of playing burger we can just play like 35 percent Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland which uh that's a pretty good consolation prize yeah yeah I guess um Hovland I'm still in on Hovland this week I should throw in the little bit of red flag is you know the last two weeks of the Memorial WGC his Tita Green game left them and that was something that we were seeing uh, basically every single week from him was, you know, elite performances, TD Green in, in week short game. And last two weeks, we kind of got the the mediocre TD Green in week short game. So um, I guess that's the the caution flag on him, but still a guy that I want to have in some of my lineups. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I feel no caution on Morikawa or Hovland. I think these guys are set up to to charge this course, basically. Yeah. So do you feel any caution on $8,200 Hideki Matsuyama who Dave nope. Golf has seventh in the field? 
Yeah, I, I think that I think that there is a rational case, not one I'm gonna make, but like literally just to lock him, just be like, if if this data golf projection is not even correct, but in like the realm of correct, like if this is a B minus level projection from data golf, like you are, you're literally tossing away EV in any lineup where he's not in there. Cause like at, at 8,200, a T17 will play like that. Like, like Hideki Matsuyama T17 can totally be in the Millie maker winning lineup at, at 8,200. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, even like a yeah top 25 is, is probably fine and it you know a lot of people aren't playing the millimaker. maker they're they're playing single entry they're playing three max and at that point make the cut um can be good enough because six to six percents have been at an all-time low with the new cut rules i guess that's one of the things we didn't touch on the pga championship is going to revert to the top 70 the in ties, so, yeah so you got to realign your mentality for those cut sweats i don't think it changes a lot but it'll maybe get you know five percent of teams getting all six guys through the weekend instead of three percent yeah, or something probably like probably like a one percent bump uh so fitzpatrick we talked about him a bunch on the show before but he's like not a great course fit but uh really good really good recent form obviously he's been one of the guys who just has been super steady for the entire restart and he just he's a good golfer he never projects for over 10 percent roster and uh yeah like i just i will for sure be running it back with with fitzpatrick so Fit, fitzpatrick or patrick reed between those two guys if you can only roster one um assuming they're both you know 10 percent or so seven to ten percent ownership which which of those two would you prefer uh fitzpatrick for sure reed reed just not a guy i love all that much though i think this course uh you know because he is when when reed wins it's all about the long irons it's all about you know just like stuffing the five iron into to eight feet or whatever i I think this is a a decent course fit for him yeah and i think i think just like scrambling too and you know i think there are a lot of similarities between between the two players as far as their overall games and so I think that would be a pretty interesting one. I would err on the side of, of Reed, who I've got 14th in the field. I think he'll be a good contrarian pivot. I do expect some ownership to funnel to some guys in this range. Um, and, you know, Jason Day, I think, is one of those guys whose recent form has been uh, kind of causing people to wonder whether or not he'll return, not to necessarily OWGR number one, but towards like a top 10 player. Um, and I think some ownership will go there. Some will go to Hideki. And then some will go to the ranges down below with Fleetwood, Justin Rose, Abraham Answer, Adam Scott. So I think like Reed Fitzpatrick type is going to get overlooked. Um, you have yeah. you have thoughts on on Hatton? He he probably is an exclude for me because he just he's such a sun runner with the putter, and you got to you know you you can't play all the dudes. And I would I would prefer to double up on Fitzpatrick, Hideki, and uh, and even uh, Woodgoat. Yeah, I honestly I feel like it's a coin flip between Reed Hatton and Fitzpatrick, um, who's going to do better on a given week, and I think they'll all be right around ten percent plus or minus, definitely within the margin of error. Um, slight preference for Reed of those three, but I actually think uh, I think there could be like some equity to to each of those, and then yeah, Tony Finau I would say is the guy that I think of like the four that we just named fits as like a little bit of a better course profile a guy that can be really long and accurate off the tee, uh, a guy that can not win necessarily, but can contend and get inside the top 10 at some of these championships. So uh, I think Fina is my favorite out of those four, but I do think it's a good range to try to, you know, if you mix and match like two of these guys, they're going to end up like 1% collectively. So 
Yeah. Uh, do you have thoughts on who you prefer between uh, Woodland or Rose? Rose, probably a guy I'm not all that interested in personally. Um, I not not a huge thoughts. I guess I think I prefer Rose uh, slightly of of those two. Um, that would just be banking on, you know, the, the time off and you know hoping that something was able to click. And I think that he's going to be materially lower than Woodland, like probably half the ownership. So I guess that would be the tiebreaker for me. Uh, but I don't think there's going to be like a core building block. I think Tommy Fleetwood's probably the guy I feel best about in this range, him and Abraham answer. I think Fleetwood put it together kind of the on the weekend last week, obviously a guy that has played well at really tough events. Um, and then answer has been, you know, one of the, the elite approach players since the restart. Those are two of the guys that I feel best about in this range. Rose is a guy I don't feel great about, but you're going to get a really low number that can make a unique lineup. And then I think the biggest like guy I can't really trust the data or projections on is Adam Scott, just because this is the first oh, time I've seen I, it. I trust it. I think I think Adam Scott is an absolute jam. Like Adam Scott is priced lower than Tony Finau. Uh, he's priced a hundred dollars above Jordan Spieth. Like Adam Adam Scott is t 14 in this event like a hundred percent of the time like he i think he's such a jam yeah just i mean it's obviously very odd uh that we haven't seen him at all since uh, the api um and i i mean things are things are different in australia they're obviously a, a little bit better i'm sure he's been over for a couple of weeks at least but you you assume he's been practicing but you don't really know and uh, we did see some of the guys that when they returned to like competitive action for the first time, whether it was Tiger or Fleetwood or, you know, any of these other guys, we, we haven't really seen someone with like the, the elite return to action as far as the big name guys that took some of the early weeks off. So I don't know. That's the caution flag. It's a really tough decision though, because I, I agree if you were to say like he's in reasonable form, then I think it's a, a very fair price and a guy that you'd want to get overweight on. But as of now, single entry, I'm probably clicking Fleetwood in over Scott. Uh, yeah. I do. Should we do? Should we do twenty five Fleetwood versus Scott? Yeah, let's I got, do it. I got Scott. Okay. I hope you're tracking this stuff because I feel like I've uh, I've committed to a few different things that I don't have written down. <laughs> uh, I have a I have a notes thing on my phone, but I don't I don't know I don't know how many of these. I mostly they're for fantasy football bets against Leone and Amico yeah, that exactly. I that I have tracked. <laughs> when our underdog um, team wins two hundred k or whatever, I'm sure you'll you'll remember that one though. Yeah. Oh, I will. I, I mean, dude, we have the, we have the chiefs triple stack. Like I, I think we got to be considered the favorite, like minus minus one ten versus the field. Um, okay. Not paying into the pyramid this week. What about, what about Sung Jay? It's a difficult course, you know, not gonna, not gonna hurt him that bad that he is uh, one of the worst oh, approach golfers on, on would, tour right now. I don't think I can do it again with Sung Jay. Um, yeah. I mean, he was, he was playing fine through the first three days and then just like, Oh man, he was on that team with Benon and Todd and Xander and JT and Hideki, and I was I was so live. And then Sungjae just fell apart on the back nine. But the reason for no Sungjae for me is just I do like quite a bit of the guys that are like a hundred, two hundred dollars more expensive. If he was down in like seven point three or something like that, I think I would start to consider it a little bit more. So uh, probably going to pass on Sungjae. Uh, I'm more interested in Sergio Garcia. Sergio, at, yeah. That exact same price. Yeah, Sergio, Sergio. Yeah, I mean, Sergio 
very good tee to green game, major champion, you know, not like, I don't, what, what, what can we say about Sergio? Like he just is one of the safest guys in here. Uh, I would expect him to be like 20 to 25% of my rosters. Uh, same for Kuchar. You know, I think Kuchar is, uh, is a fantastic play down in this region. Uh, not, not going to feel tempted by fraud Casey this week. No, no, no need for me because Kuchar and Sergio are, are so strong there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess, less interested in Kuchar than you are. I think 7,500 at a major definitely feels like a good price where Kuchar ends up like backdooring the top 20 or the top 30 for you. But I, I'm definitely a little bit less interested in him. Um, on this course, kind of all been carried with the short game. I would have a strong preference for, for Sergio of those guys. And I mean... I played a little bit of speed last year. I gave him like a three boost, I think. So I had him projecting kind of close to uh, f- the Fowler range. And obviously with, <laughs> wasn't feeling great going into Sunday with knowing that that probably cost me a little bit of exposure to Fowler, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that speed is slowly starting to come around and uh, I'm not anchoring on him. I'm definitely not, it's not like a core play, but he's been able to connect on approach for three weeks in a row his short game is obviously, you know, always one of his strengths. The off the tee is for sure a red flag, but I think I'm at least kind of considering him just like a slight peg behind uh, Spieth and answer. Whereas I think our projections would view him uh, a lot worse than that, closer to like a Bubba Watson. And I'm, I'm definitely playing Spieth over Bubba Watson. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just don't have to play either one of them, though. You can just, you can just, you can just not play those dudes. You can also not play Henrik Stenson. You can also not play Hadwin. Probably gotta, probably gotta play a little bit of Benny Ann. Probably gotta play a little bit of Neem. Uh, unfortunately, you do have to play a little bit of Scotty Scheffler, I think, just because of the of the course fit. Yeah, Scheffler. Um, I mean. I, I can't play him at like the straight up projections that, that we're offering right now. I could do that with Hideki and feel it would, it would be like a little bit concerning, but I could kind of rationalize it. And whereas Scheffler, I feel like just got to be a little bit inflated still. So I'll, I'll knock him down a peg, but I would still expect him to be a guy that I end up with like at least 15% exposure to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, 15% sounds about, right to me and then this we are now to the range of where i don't feel that strongly about anyone um the projections really like harris english seems fine to me i'm not i'm not crazy about poulter i'm not crazy about kisner like they're they both seem fine probably won't exclude them but don't want to have more than like five or eight percent yeah um yeah i mean you're definitely entering a a pretty tricky zone like you have like the the ball strikers who if if it's not on or just guys that you feel like aren't necessarily as well set up for like the, the really hard courses, Scheffler, Neiman, Corey Connors types, and then you've got the the more like plotters like Ches Revy, you know, um I guess Harris love English me, kind of love fits. me some plotting Ches Revy. Yeah. I guess English kind of fits into that mold as well. Um right now these guys are all kind of projecting fairly low but i think they'll come up a bit uh especially english i think he'd come up in like the 10 to 15 percent range so i think that changes the dynamic a bit as well but like you said it's not super appealing in this range and so i do think if you're building a single entry team that's going to be one thing that could potentially temper some of the ownership on the top end players is just the lack of like really good value options that you feel good about 
whereas the top end of the 7k range i think is like stacked with guys that legitimately if they won the event it wouldn't be shocking yeah it would not would not be shocking at all um so guys down here i think that are are very solid plays eric van royen uh cory connors i am gonna play a little bit of uh cam champ this week uh, I think I think our boy Matthias Schwab. Everyone everyone wanted to get themselves some Matthias Schwab in the Barracuda last week, though uh, I, I believe he did not end up winning. Uh, what about what about noted Corn Fairy Tour winner Luke List? No, no, no Luke List for me. Um, Luke List in the major. I mean, it feels like a tough a tough sell, but uh, I think what you're hoping for with some of these guys is that their ball striking is like the same and they're basically never giving themselves good birdie looks anyways. And so they're just kind of two putting their way to, to par, but with, with any of these guys, if it goes South, I mean, it can go South really quickly um, and you can definitely inject. And so I think finding, you know, pivots or just exclusions at this range is a pretty viable way to go. Uh, champ, I, I guess like if champ is, what would you where would you want to play champ like what ownership would you be looking for where you felt like it was a good decision versus where you felt like it was getting a little thin like eight eight and a half percent like if, if you if you think there's a threat of like 12 percent cameron champ at a major championship uh it, that that's not good yeah i've got him at 9.02 right now uh yeah, so like I would, I would, uh, I would play him there. Yeah, that that feels that feels pretty that feels pretty solid to me. Um, anyone else down here? I mean, Glover, obviously. Uh, uh, what? Okay, Champions Tour winner Jim Furyk. See, is he making? Is he making the? Is he making the cut? No, no, Jim. Jim's not going to make the cut this week. Did he win on the Champions Tour last week? He did. He did win on his first start on the Champions Tour. We got to hope right now data golf doesn't use champions tour data and we got to hope they don't add it in. Otherwise we might be stuck having to click Furyk out of lineups for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, HV three Coke rack, uh, bud Colley, all these guys are going to make some of my lineups and probably Sebastian Munoz and Nick Taylor are the last guys. And the reason they're making my lineups, not because I think they're great plays or I think they're, you know, 40% to like 50% to make the cut or anything, but I just am going to want some of those double stud lineups somewhere in MME. I think what I'll do in the, I think what I'll do in the tools is just max one, uh, these dust buckets. Yeah. I, I think that's a good approach. Um, I might even extend it kind of depends how far I, I don't want to throw like 50 guys in a group, but uh, it kind of depends how far the player pool goes for me this week. And if I MME, um, I might max one for sure, like these true punt guys, because sometimes you'll find the FanDuel just stuffs them in. So it because it like the soft pricing on the top guys gives you a lot of win equity. So um, even though those lineups might have good win equity, you're really unlikely to get all six guys inside the top 20, which is kind of what you're needing for the lottery style tournaments. So I think max one for these guys makes sense. I might even extend it to like that 7.3 and below range and kind of set up like a max two. Um just because not feeling great about the overall value this week in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, I think that seems about right. Also, I mean, I, I will probably play Danny McPutts at least Danny McPutts and um, uh, Tom Hoagie and at least like 1% just because if, if those guys ever T10 to major and they weren't a part of my teams, I would feel miserable. Are you, are you going to hand build at least one lineup that has Wyndham Clark with the rich man's Wyndham Clark? 
uh yeah i'll i'll put that i'll put that in like the 33 dollars single entry or whatever i'll do i'll do bryson windham maybe i'll do like the all matic team and throw um mick putts and hoagie in there maybe maybe dylan or something now now you're throwing away money at this point <laughs> i mean you gotta you gotta do it though and anyone anyone who's ever come on the take cast has to make their way into a build just because of the brand equity that's what you gotta do so i, I know you just did the the FanDuel hurry up show have you clicked in any bets so far this week? I I have not, but I think that the I think that the um the bets are you know I I think you can comfortably bet whoever your personal favorite is out of JT Rory Rom Xander and Bryson I'll probably bet Rory I imagine Rory well the thing is I already have the Bryson ticket back from when I first saw that he gained six hundred pounds uh. I, I bet I bet him I, I had the Masters ticket from before and then bet him at the PGA Championship in the U.S. Open at, I think at twenty eight to one in both of those I, I think Hideki at forty to one I think is pretty solid I think Hovland is decent but the the aforementioned Adam Scott and Sergio Garcia are I, I think the two strongest bets Yeah I think that I mean the the bet that it's like cringeworthy and you just have to hope that there's like cash out <laughs> value to it because there's no way that he's gonna win come Sunday. But if you're shopping around prices, Paul Casey is 160 to one on FanDuel Sportsbook, and he's like 90 to one William Hill, 100 to one Bet 365. So you're getting a massive price on FanDuel for Paul Casey. Definitely a guy that has been absolute disaster with his short game, but um is good tee to green which we talked about a little bit and the price is just is huge so i mean if you look at some of these other guys that are hundred, yeah if you, if you have access to the fanduel sportsbook i think you just have to bet that and just know that like you you got your you you made some sklansky box at the very least yeah i mean he's priced next to like brendan Steele and max homa just as a comparison so i think it's a good price. yeah uh I, I think that, um, let's see. Uh, I think you can, I think I'll probably bet more like T20s and stuff this week, like T20s for Sergio, T20s for Eric Van Royen, uh, Nick Taylor, Corey Connors, probably. Though Corey Connors, 200 to 1. I, uh, I don't mind. I don't mind that number. Yeah. And with, with Brooks, I know you're not a huge Brooks guy with Brooks kind of taking up some of the, the odds the value has equity. offered yeah. like deeper prices on – Rory and Rom and Bryson specifically 14 to one for Rory and Rom 16 to one for Bryson. Are you pulling the trigger on any of the, the big guys towards the top? Yeah. I mean, so I have not, I have not actually done any bets yet. So either, either what I will do is just bet one of Rory or Bryson and then bet, you know, Sergio, Adam Scott, uh, some of those guys and that maybe Hovland from like that 50 to 100 to one range or, just bet Rory and Bryson and just make those like be like okay well if I don't if I don't get there this week I don't get there but yeah if you're if you're betting one of the favorites uh you either got to bet deeper in the market or you know just kind of limit your action if you like two of the favorites yeah yeah I think that makes sense uh all right to wrap it up you want to build a team for the Millie Maker yes yeah let's uh let's do it all right so we'll, we'll toss this in I think because we're not necessarily, well, we'll see where the team goes. Um, depending on what we do with like the first five golfers, we may have to leave salary on the table with the last pick. But if we're picking pivots at each position, then I think we probably would be okay using like a full salary lineup. So um, I'll, I'll give you the first pick. 
Bryson. All right, we're going Bryson. So the beef, the beefy boy. Ten point three. Uh, I think we're gonna have a reasonable amount of salary to work with, which is nice. I think he's gonna be one of the lower owned guys out of that zone too. So I think that'll give us a little bit of flexibility as well. And I think because of that, I mean, one of us was gonna probably slot this guy in anyways. But I think that we view Hideki Matsuyama as a really good course fit in a guy that is at least like $500 underpriced and you could argue maybe even a thousand dollars. So I'll click in Hideki at 8,200 kind of hope for that good ball striking. Can't make any putts, but still top 20s at like even par minus one. Yeah. Uh, I, so I will go, I'll go Hovland then to, to just build our, to build our all, uh, our all no putt team. Did you see the Hovland chip from last week where he's probably, he's probably 20 yards off the green and he just, he just, straight up fluffs it it goes about six yards in front of him <laughs> i did i did see that it does it, it makes you wonder going into a major but um you know i know that's one of the areas that was one of his b- biggest weaknesses when he kind of won that um secondary tour event he kind of mentioned that if he ever wants to get up to the elite end of the world that he needs to get there um so we've got on average 76 66 left so pretty good amount of salary left over we can get some I think guys who are really live to win the event into the lineup. Um, I think that Hovland and Bryson are both going to be less popular this week. So I feel okay about the Hideki popular pick. I feel decent about this next pick and and it's going to be a popular one as well. We might have to find a pivot with one of our last two, depending on things shake out with your selection. But I think Tommy Fleetwood at 7,700 is a really good setup this week. Uh, so you go Fleetwood. I'm going to go our guy that we have bet in there. I'm going to take Adam Scott at, uh, 7,800. Nice. So now we've got 7,500 left on the, on the board. We could use all of it, especially if we're going to go with <laughs> a pretty low owned guy. Uh, I, you know, who fits this? I don't know if I, sh- I should do it though, but Paul Casey ends up fitting this build perfectly because Ugh. he's less than 5% owned. So you could still use the full salary cap. The other option, I think both of these will end up being unique builds. Um, the other option would be to to leave some salary on the table and grab either Harris English or Yoki Neiman. Both of those guys project individually to be a bit more popular, but I think as far as like the overall lineup, it will be less popular because it won't use the full salary cap. So those are the guys that are, are popping right there. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to click in Paul Casey. Throw away your money. I was going to say we could go team swag with Matthew Wolf instead. Uh, no, we got Casey in there, buddy. I'm, I'm footing the bill for this since you're not keeping track of it. So this is like an right, so, emotional free roll for you. So we got Bryson, Hideki, Hovland, Fleetwood, Scott, Casey. This team will be duped in the Millie, 100% guaranteed. You think so? So the reason I don't think so is Casey sub 5% right now. Granted, it's early. Um, Hovland got sub 10%, Bryson around 10%, and then, yeah, Fleetwood Scott, uh, Hideki. So, okay, we we can move off Casey. We can force ourselves to leave some money on the table, and we can plug in a guy I think will be slightly more popular in Harris English, but I do think that leaving the salary on the table, 300 bucks will be enough to make it unique. There we go. There we go. All right, that's a good team. Feel good about it. Uh, all right, official official predictions. Who wins? Who's the who's the final group on Sunday? Final group on Sunday. Are, are they going out in twosomes or threesomes, man? I don't even 
I don't even know that. I, I, I honestly don't even know. I, I guess I assume that they're going off in two cents. Um, so I think it is going to be JT and John Rahm. JT and John Rahm. I was going to go. Uh, I was just going to go. Nothing, like truly nothing would make me happier than Bryson and Rory playing in the final group on, on Sunday. Like that would just be great golf to watch. Just two total head cases. Uh, I, I'm hoping that we get Bryson and Brooks paired up. And uh, that would be that would uh, we might see a 400 yard drive out of Bryson if yeah. those two get paired up. The, the Instagram pairing is JT and Rob for me. The what's actually going to happen pairing is Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Spieth, Daniel Berger is uh, and and all of us are are just donating our money at that point. So. Everyone, uh, you know, this week, make sure to check out dailyroto.com and uh, head over to the golf package uh, if, you, if you're looking to have access to the best optimizer, best projections, and uh, let's go out there and, uh, and win a million dollars. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.